From the Defense Acquisition University, this is the Learning Circle. This is the Learning Circle. I'm Anthony Rotolo, and I'm joined today at Podcast Movement 2016. This is a conference for podcasters. I'm joined with Harry Duran. Harry Duran has a show called Podcast Junkies, a.k.a. The Podcaster's Voice. It's all about conversations with podcasters. And as such, Harry's an expert on the full spectrum of podcasts out there today. So I want to talk to him about the opportunity of the format today. Welcome to the show, Harry. Thanks for having me on, Anthony. Thanks for being here. Let's start with some basics. How long have you been doing this? How long have you been involved with the format? It started out of, uh, I'm, I'm actually a fan of electronic music, so I went to a New Media Expo conference thinking I'd start a podcast about interviewing DJs. I saw a bunch of podcasters there that I was inspired by. This was in early 2014. And I said, maybe I should interview those folks. And uh, that's what started me off on the path. I called the show Podcast Junkies. And in the beginning, it was learning about how they started their podcast. And you know, maybe we talked a little bit about gear, um, what gear they used, and, and how they've seen the industry grow over time. And I was fascinated to talk to people who've been doing this for 10-plus years. Mm. Podcasting itself is about 10 years old. So there's yes. some, some real veterans in the space that just have great stories. And then over time, I found that it was... I made it more conversational in style, so I'm about to hit episode 100, and it's just interesting. The episodes are average about an hour each, and it's just a peek into the, the life of a podcaster, and I'd speak to uh, hosts that podcast on a wide variety of topics, anything, everything from comedy to business podcasts to history podcasts, storytelling podcasts, um, and they all have interesting takes on the, the podcasting medium itself, and it's just been fascinating to, to hear their stories. Who are some of the folks that you've interviewed? Do we know some of them? Yeah, some. Well, some of the the highlights have been I interviewed Mark Maron's producer Brendan McDonald oh, of, wow. of okay. WTF. Yes. Uh, I reached out via Twitter and we were able to make a connection, and uh, I had him on. Interestingly enough, that was two weeks before the Obama interview, and he said, "I'm going to be busy for the next two weeks." He didn't say what it was. Yes, obviously, yes. the interview in the garage. In right? the garage, yeah, yeah with uh, President Obama and. Uh, when I saw that come out, I said, well, he's not going to have time for me now. But That's right. <laughs> I think it's the accommodating nature of podcasting. I think you might have seen some of this at the conference, that everyone in general wants to help each other out. Yes. And, and so uh, we, we were able to make that interview happen. I've also interviewed Leah Tao of the, uh, the, the Radiotopia podcast Strangers. Um, and that was a live in-person interview. So I'm always trying to get myself out of my comfort zone and do sometimes live interviews. Most most of the time I do them online via Skype. Um, and then H- Helen Zaltzman is another interviewer from Radiotopia, and she's based in the UK. And so yeah, I ju- I've established connections with some of these people that I'm still friends with you know, over time. Yeah, it's a very supportive community. People do want to help each other out. Yeah. You say you do most of your shows via Skype? Yeah, what I found early on, I thought for some strange reason that I was going to be able to do video Interviews, but when I quickly realized the the nature of editing video and um, it's something I didn't want to get into, uh, I decided not to do that. But what I I did keep doing was using the video function of Skype, and so Skype will allow you to uh, have video uh, on while you're recording, but you don't have to record it, so it saves on the bandwidth. And why I like that, Anthony, is is the one-to-one connection that I have with my 
guests. So I can establish eye contact. I can see a bit of body language there. Yes. And it's just a bit more intimate when you ask a question and you can see a physical response to the question or you see opportunities where they're, they're talking and, you know, you can gauge where you want to jump into the conversation. It's hard to do those things and to have those those cues when it's just an audio right. podcast. That's right. Like we're sitting in person today and it's, it's very helpful to... Yeah. Uh, I've done it on Skype as well, but I haven't done it with the video. Yeah. So that's kind of a good trick to kind of create that illusion of face-to-face. Podcasting has really grown. It's gone through its own hype cycle in the beginning. I've been podcasting uh, in various forms for about nine years. And so, you know, we went through a period where went down the hype cycle, podcasting is dead. And now, of course, we're in this mobile phone generation where I, I think that accounts for a lot of resurgence. What are your thoughts on the growth of podcasting and the the opportunity that we have now? It's an incredible opportunity, and it's been fascinating to watch, even just from the perspective of this conference. Three years ago, this was a Kickstarter campaign, and Jared Easley and Dan Franks, two of the co-founders of the podcast movement, were trying to raise $10,000 to cover AV costs in Dallas and Fort Worth for the, wow. for the first conference. And I was one of the first 20 people to sign up and say, yeah, I'll, I'll be there. I'd love a conference just for podcasters. And just to see what's been what's happened in, in three short years, there's now 1,600 people. They've sold out the conference. 1,600 people. Kevin Smith as the keynote. Amazing. Mark Marin last year. Yes. Yeah, and Sarah Koenig for Serial last year. So they're bringing out the heavy hitters in podcasting. Anna Sale from Death, Sex, and Money was keynoting as well. So they've quickly realize that there's a mix they can cater to a wide range of podcasters here so if you're into storytelling if you're into business you want to monetize the show you want to learn how to edit your show better there's a little bit of something for everyone here and it just goes to show you when fans start showing up at the conference just because they like the show which is what i saw last year for some of these shows that it's interesting now because now you're not just having the podcasters themselves but the fans of the show coming that is interesting (laughs) yeah and so, um, I mean, I've been doing it since early 2014, and even in that short period of time, I've learned a lot about all the technologies necessary to start podcasting, but it's the barrier to entry is lower and lower just in that short period of time that I've been doing it. New technologies are coming on board. You can podcast straight from your phone if you'd like. There's apps that let you record straight from the cloud, so you don't have, you need technology. You can have two people on either side, apps like Ringer, Zencast. You just record it natively. The audio is, is still high quality because it records it on your each individual side, and then it joins it later in Dropbox. So they're just becoming more and more creative. I've seen some pretty interesting tools here, just vendors trying some different things to improve the workflow. So I think if you have an idea uh, and you want to start one, I, I think you, it's, you can really easily find some, some quick tutorials to get you started. At, at the very basics, you want to make sure you're, you're hosting with, with a, a reliable hosting company. But... You know what? What we tell all new podcasters is just get started, and you'll work your kinks out along the way. It's really true. The technical barrier is getting lower and lower. There's plenty of education online. There's free tools, tools like Audacity that most of us have heard of by now, and then even the geographical boundaries. I'm involved with a podcast. It's a thing I do on the side for fun, but it's with a friend in England, and I Dropbox my audio over to him, and by the time we're done, we sound like we're in the same room, but yeah. we're on different continents. So it's just absolutely amazing and to the listener they may not even have thought it through that yeah it's uh, a lot of times the phrase that podcasters like to use is theater of the mind and so you're painting this picture of 
being in this room, having this intimate conversation, and to your point, it, it's because we're allowed to, re, to record pristine audio, and, and it's something that I tell new podcasters to, to be aware of. Like, take your show seriously, because there's so many new podcasts coming out there that people's attention span for uh, bad quality is, is really, really short, and they're not going to have a tolerance with all these other fantastically produced shows out there to listen to something that sounds like it was recorded in your basement on on your earbuds. It's true. That's a big lesson for folks that coach people on video is the idea that you can tolerate video of varying quality, but the audio ought to be good if you can at all help it. The tolerance when the audio begins to degrade, that makes your video unwatchable. Yeah. Very good points. Now, podcasting brings people together to have conversations. Now, this show goes out to the learning industry. It's people that are trying to connect minds. How have you seen that work with the folks that you've interviewed? I understand you've interviewed people that, that are producing shows on history and other things that are more of an educational flavor, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the nature of podcasting lends itself well to teaching a subject matter that you're passionate about and that you have experience with. And, and I've, I've met several podcasters here at the conference yesterday and today that were teachers in a, in a past life, and so they have the familiarity with lesson plans and organizing their content in a way that gets dripped out to students. And so with a podcast, that can be episodes. And over time, you'll start delivering the content in a way that shows you're the subject matter expert, um, you can gradually take people through the lesson so you're not feeding them everything at once um, and organizing it in a way. So once you have these set of episodes produced, you can do it, do it as a season, and there'll be this content chunk of what, what I like to call evergreen information. So they could listen to it tomorrow, they could listen to it six months from now or two years from now. And if it's a topic that resonates, you're always going to find new listeners coming on board, even with information that you recorded two years ago. It's true, and just the very structure of it. You go into a podcatcher application like iTunes, and what you have in front of you is this aggregate of content. It's all numbered and titled and described, and it, it's a great way to present educational material in sequence. Yeah, the other thing is, is to try to get engagement from your listeners. So if there's a follow up, if there's a worksheet that they could follow along with, that helps a lot from a teaching standpoint. Mm -hmm. So for this week's episode, download the worksheet from you know mypodcast.com slash episode three and then follow along as we take you through the lesson today. So you kind of make it interactive and you get people listening to your podcast but also taking an action, which is something every podcaster loves to see happen some you know you have a call to action in your show and people take that action whether it's leaving you a, a review whether it's downloading a pdf uh, it's a worksheet. true yeah. so it's really important and because there's such a strong sense of community you do get that engagement you get that reaction factor from your audience another thing that's a little known with podcasting is that you can because it's an rss feed and you're typically encapsulating the audio you can also put out a PDF, and that'll show up as a downloadable in that list of episodes, if you will. So as long as you explain that, you could actually push out something like you described, like yep. a lesson plan or, or other supporting elements. Yeah, a lot. If uh, There's a podcast I listen to called The Feed, which is um, Libsyn, which is one of the biggest hosting companies for podcasters, which stands for Liberated Syndication, L-I-B-S-Y-N. 
they have a bi-weekly podcast and it gives us the breakdown of stats so we know where we stand as podcasters but they also stress the importance of making rich show notes because when they release the stats they also t- you also see that a large percentage of your listenership comes from mobile and so if to the extent that you can make the show notes or the embedded the uh, id3 tags in your mp3 file it'll appear in the podcatcher so as people are listening to their phone they can also read along and see that you've provided a hyperlink to a worksheet like you mentioned um, so i think it's something to keep in mind because more and more we're, we're seeing a lot of the listenership coming from mobile devices so yes. you can't always assume that they're sitting down at their desktop listening to your show right and how handy is that to just write from those notes be able to click onto the link and get the resource looking at the future I see a lot of upside I don't see this as an industry that has peaked in any way what are your thoughts I'm really excited about the possibilities. I think we're going to see a bit more creative use of mobile. I mean, I have a couple of friends that started their podcast as a video podcast, and I think I've I've seen actually some people demoing some technology that's making the barrier to entry to video podcasting very low now. Interesting, yes. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that happen. Again, content is king. All these TV networks are coming up. There's the Hulus, the YouTubes, the Amazons. These are all channels that are starving for like new content. And I think you may see some crossover personalities in podcasting that can make the jump to a video show and yeah. Like, you know, Mark Marin is, is a funny example because he actually had a podcast and now his show on IFC is about him as a podcaster, which is a bit meta. And, yes. and then there's inside <laughs> jokes about people that's wanting to start a podcast on his show so i like the where that is moving and i think if you have a mindset as a podcaster about creating content that can live on other platforms i think you'll you'll have you're setting yourself up for success it makes it scalable yes it makes it able to cross platform boundaries and i think podcasting right now is decidedly audio dominant right now yeah and my opinion is there's a time for each format people Mm -hmm. will still want the audio exclusively because there's advantages to that yeah it's very it's mobile friendly so you can listen to a podcast while you're washing the dishes while you're walking the dog while you're working out at the gym while you're commuting to work and so that's why out of the top 200 podcasts in itunes according to Lipson, i think there was one that was a video based podcast so i think you'll always need to have both components you'll need to have the video and the audio components to your point to have exactly. it accessible just bring it all back home to education for all of us we're all time pressed now it gives us all an opportunity to learn while we're doing other things you can be learning while you're mowing the lawn or yeah. like you said washing the dishes harry thank you for your time i really appreciate your sitting down with us today and look forward to perusing your site and, yeah. and learning from other podcasters that's podcast junkies it's podcastjunkies.com. There's a contact form there if anyone, any of your listeners have any questions about starting a podcast. Or, you know, I, I love to give new podcasters advice so they don't go down the wrong path, especially with the purchases of equipment that could sometimes get expensive. I've heard stories of people who've bought $2,000 packages that are sitting in their corner and they're just happy with their $60 USB mic. That's right, so, yes. <laughs> you know, so if anyone has any questions about that, they can feel free to reach out to me. Absolutely. We'll have links to your website on our show notes. Harry, thank you again. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for listening. To catch up on all of our shows, subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Learning Circle is produced and distributed by the Defense Acquisition University. Defense Acquisition University.